Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elkshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. What's up, friends? Today we're sitting down with Heath from Colorado. He has dogs that can re- help you recover your animals, something I knew absolutely nothing about. Using dogs to recover game is something that I thought was probably not legal out west. It's definitely maybe something with a stigma or frowned upon. Little did I know that it's actually widely accepted and there's great resources out there if you catch yourself in a bind. Didn't know that gut shots were actually, you know, obviously no one wants to make a gut shot, but if you do make a gut shot, the animal is not going to live and dogs can find those really fast, which is really incredible. So Heath is a is a houndsman of sort. He handles dogs that help with tracking, recovering big game. We're going to break down some good, best, solid practices. Keep this podcast in one of your favorites. Check out the show notes. Perhaps plug the website or Heath's phone number into your phone just in case. This is going to be a really eye-opening podcast. Uh, It caught me off guard. I was really impressed with Heath. I think you will dig it. Let's talk about recovering our big game animals, something that we owe the animals, something that sucks to talk about, but we got to get to it. So without further ado, this is Heath and you're listening to the Oak Shade Podcast. 
Hey guys, welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. Uh, we are going to talk about recovering your animal out west today. That is something that is really important. We've done podcasts in, in the past about best practices, what to do after the shot. It's so critical. But what do you do when you know you made a good hit, but you just the trail runs cold? You know, you see a lot of guys in the Midwest and out east running tracking dogs and it got me thinking, is there, is there a solution for the guys out West? So, um, Heath Brown reached out to me and we decided to lock down on the show today. So Heath is, is joining me from Colorado. What's up, Heath? What's going on, Dan? Uh, you, man, you're going on. So you're based in Colorado. Where in Colorado are you based out of? I'm in Bailey, Colorado, Colorado. So that's just South of, uh, of Conifer. Oh, beautiful. Love the area. Okay. So you are a dude who loves hunting, loves dogs, and, you know, there is a little bit of a stigma of, you know, having dogs help you find your animals, uh, but we get pretty desperate when we've worked really hard for a shot opportunity. Maybe we thought we made a good shot, and sometimes animals just don't, you know, it happened to me this year in 2021 where I'm pretty sure I killed that bull. I just could not recover him, uh, and maybe you guys have something that people could take advantage of. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with dogs that track game. So I, I did my own research. I reached out there. There was a group of people here in Colorado that had a Facebook group called Rocky mountain, big game recovery. So this is uh, something they've been doing since 2016. Uh, hasn't really taken off much. Uh, in fact, when I was speaking with Scott, who was kind of the head over that organization, he uh, he said, you got to put your name on unitedbloodtrackers.org under find a tracker. You'll get some phone calls. And boy, was he not lying. Uh, September 1st rolled around and the calls came and they did not stop. So that's kind of how I got started. Uh, early in the year, I bought a I bought a Bavarian mountain hound, mountain scent hound. Uh, they're they're made for the mountains. Um, and we, we just started training her. And as soon as the calls started coming, I started taking a brand new pup out and, you know, she found her first elk at five months old. Um, then, uh, I forget, forget where we're going with that. So let me ask you, let me start right there. Like, okay. So the first elk that she recovered, like we got to back up, like this is, this is legal. Like you can do this in Colorado. And in Wyoming, you can do it in Wyoming. You can do it in Montana. Idaho is the easiest to track. Okay. So the guys go, they find your website or your Facebook group, or they message you. And by the way, people listening, uh, Heath rattled off a bunch of links to me and I have like, I'm just getting over COVID. So my brain's not working. So I will like get this list from you, Heath, when we're done, email it to me and I'll put all of the links. So this show, you know, this show will stay online. People can find it, track the link, get a hold of you. But like, holy smokes, I didn't even know that this was a thing. Um, I could have used your help in New Mexico for sure this year. Uh, and I had a, an amazing blood trail on this bull. Like I definitely got both lungs. I just, I don't know where he died and we gritted and gritted I, and I'm not a dog. I can't sniff this stuff out. So this first elk that your, your hound found, like, what was the scenario? How long did it take you to get there on the scene? What, uh, like you met with the hunters, they, they show you a little bit of what happened and then you take it from there. Like, how does it work? 
Yep. So it was an out-of-state hunter. He'd been hunting in Colorado. This is, I believe, his third year. Had I don't even think he'd seen an elk until he shot this one. Um, it was in an OTC unit. I got the call, and I told him, I said, man, I, there, I cannot be there until 8 o'clock. So this was going to be a 24-hour-old track by the time I got there. And he, and he was super worried about it. I said, don't worry, man. Uh, based off of the blood you sent me and the broadhead you're using, the shot distance, there's a lot of questions we ask the hunters whenever they call us, and we're trying to build that picture. So, what? yeah, what questions do you ask? So uh, the first question we're going to ask is, like, how far was your shot? Um, what angle was the was the shot? Um, we're going to ask what elevate, what elevation gain is going to be, you know, if I were to come to park my vehicle, how much elevation am I going to have to get to, to get my dog to the shot placement? Um, where, where you think you hit the animal from what angle. And to be honest, that's almost never what the hunter, it ends up being not what the hunter thinks it is, which is normal under yeah. that high pressure situation. Um, how far was the shot? What does the blood look like? Can you send me a picture of the blood? Uh, you know, reaction of the animal. How how far did you follow the track? And, and here's the thing, Dan. Uh, most knowledgeable hunters, whenever they shoot an animal and they and they know that they got a good shot, and then they lose the blood, first thing they're going to do is start grid searching. That's the worst thing you can do if you want if you want a chance for a dog to find your animal. Because once you start grid searching, you're spreading that scent everywhere. Yep. So you may be walking on blood that you don't see that the dog can, can smell. And then now you're spreading it all around, which makes it really hard for us to recover the animal. So, you know, if you're in that situation and you lose the blood, call a, a train tracker, call us at on track, go to the, big game recovery facebook page go to unitedbloodtrackers.org find a tracker see if he can come if he can't come then of course you got a grid track but uh yeah going back to the shot i, I told him you know I, i'll be there right at dark uh so i got there probably 30 minutes before dark he shot it in a meadow he said it was a broadside shot at 30 yards he ran across the meadow i had about a basketball size of blood that looked really good really dark blood um which i was thinking okay this is most likely a liver hit um it it continued up the mountain and a lot of people freak out a lot of hunters freak out when when their game when their elk start running up a mountain uh that's i've seen it all year uh it's nothing to be worried about they're running to safety um so this elk ended up running a total of probably 700 yards straight up a mountain through some severe deadfall. Uh, he had tracked blood about 200 yards into the woods and then he lost it. So we just kept grinding the dog, probably worked for about 45 minutes. And the way these dogs will work is they'll go and they'll find a hot scent. And then from there, it's, it's not like a line like you would think when you're following blood, okay? It's, it's dots. These dogs are connecting dots of scent. So it may run 50 yards this way searching, and then it'll come back to its last known spot where it, where it knew the scent was at, and then it may go the other direction. So 
you know, when, when we're tracking, we'll tell the hunters stay 50, 75 yards behind us. So we have room for the dog to work. And we worked this, it probably took an hour for the dog to work up the mountain, over the trees, working the scent. And then we came right up on him and found his bull. And I tell you, that was the most rewarding. It's almost like I killed the bull myself uh, to see the hunter's reaction, you know? Oh, definitely. And then in Colorado, you have to keep your dog on a leash the entire time. That is correct. And it makes it tough. It, it really makes it tough. Um, Cause the dog is running under trees, over trees, you know, uh, we have a lot of deadfall out here in Colorado. So uh, it, it definitely makes it tough. So once you guys recover this guy's bull, um, how does the business transaction happen there? Well, typically the business transactions happen before I ever leave my house. Um, and, 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 Technically, we're not allowed to charge for our tracking services in the state of Colorado unless we work under a outfitter. And that outfitter may only be for certain units. But, you know, with the people I spoke with, we can ask for reimbursement. So depending on how far of a drive it is that I got to go, I can ask for reimbursement on fuel and food and stuff like that. So in this particular case, I asked, you know, it was a three-hour drive one way. I said, you know, give me $300, I'll show up, and then I'll do everything I can to find your bull. Uh, Once I found the bull, I realized this guy had no idea how to break the bull down. Uh Uh-oh. His dad was with him. His dad was a lot older, uh, not capable of carrying that weight through all that deadfall. So I stayed with him. I broke the bull down completely for him, and I packed out uh, a back leg and – I believe all the back straps and neck meat as well. Um, and then, you know, from there, they're like, man, that was awesome. You didn't have to do that. And then, you know, most of the time they'll throw you an extra tip. Okay. So this is a legit thing. It probably will take off because there's some bad stuff that happens with archery, you know, not very perfect. I don't like talking about it, but it is what it is. Like worst case scenario, you take an animal and you don't recover it and man it this could be a solution for people it, it, dan especially if if somebody's been putting in for 10 years uh and then they finally draw this this epic unit for an elk or or a mule deer or a moose you know i had a moose call this year uh, a guy waited 28 years to draw it non-resident uh these people want to do everything they can to recover that animal well, definitely. Every hunter does. Why, how come no one knows about this stuff? Like I have not seen anyone really talk about having dogs help them find their game. Like I just, it's just not really a thing. So it's, it's a thing out West. It's a thing down in the South. Uh, when I moved out here, you don't hear nothing about it. I've heard Aaron on his podcast uh, make mention that you couldn't do it. And I'm like, these people don't know. Like there's these people don't know this is a thing. Now the out of staters uh, that come out from the Midwest or come out from the South or the East, they're the ones calling us. They're the ones that are going on United Blood Trackers, finding us and giving us a call. Uh, as far as locals go, they don't know. I, you know, I just had a guy I talked to. He's been out here for thirty years and he's an avid hunter, big time hunter. And I was telling him, you know. 
what I do. And he's like, that's legal. I'm like, yeah, man, that's legal. He's like, man, I could have used you two years ago. So, yeah. So I, I, I don't know why it's never taken off. What happens when you're on a trail with like, let's say an elk and it's not dead when you guys bump it or whatever, does that happen? Uh, that hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, I'm sure it will happen typically because the mountain range in Colorado is so big. Uh, when we screen that hunters, uh, when we ask all the questions, you know, we, we pretty much know either that bull is going to be dead or that bull is going to be good to go. Um, most of the time. And by the time I get there, it's been such a long gap from the shot. Uh, he's either long gone or we find him dead. Right. Okay. And now, uh -huh. now if, if that situation does come about per state law, I'm not allowed. I have to back up at that point. I'm done. Like if we come up on the animal, it's alive. I'm done. The hunter takes it over from there. That makes sense. So what kind of boxes do you have to check in order to do this proper and be legal? Um, like give us the red tape because I don't want somebody just calling the wrong person who maybe it doesn't have a business license or insurance policy or uh, the state has no record of them being a dog track, you know, a big game tracker. Like how do you vet that you have the proper resource? Uh, you have to be certified through the state. And all that means is uh, getting your tracking permit from the state of Colorado uh, Parks and Wildlife. Uh, it's good for a year. Um, once you have that, and, and unfortunately, there's no, there's no prerequisite. Like, you know, Dan, you could have a poodle and you could go buy, you could go buy this and, and then get called, unfortunately. Um, you know, with us at Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery and on track, we're we're testing our dogs. They're getting UBT certified. Uh, they are certified tracking dogs. Um, but the red tape for Colorado is uh, you get your tracking permit um, when the hunter calls us and we screen that hunter and decide we're going to take that track. Uh, we're going to ask for the uh, we're going to ask for the hunter's full name. We're going to ask for a CID number. We're going to ask for his location, the species he's hunting, and the time he shot. Um, and then, depending on what where he's at in the state, I have to call that game warden for that particular area, and I have to pass all that information to him. Okay. Um, the big thing is, here in Colorado, the last red tape is you're not supposed to track at night. Well, guess what? Most of the tracking is done at night. So, then we got to go a step further call the game warden and say hey this is going to be a night track uh which most of the time uh they don't answer so we just leave a message okay yeah that makes sense yeah it is tough to get a hold of game wardens uh I, I know about that unfortunately so yeah that's okay this is starting to make sense so your best bet you shoot an elk you shoot a mule deer let's say you're out west you better, everybody's got a cell phone nowadays. So hopefully you're running on X tracking. Hopefully you dropped a pin where you took the shot. Hopefully you gave the animal plenty of time. Hopefully you followed best practices as far as making sure you're following tracks and blood. Once you lose blood, don't go muck up the crime scene. When in doubt, back out. 
get to sell service and then go find a legitimate dog guy or dog person, we'll say. And that could be by joining the Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery uh, private Facebook page. You could go to your guys's website on track deer recovery.com. Is that what you said? That's correct. Or your Instagram. I'm going to butcher it, but it was like on track deer recovery on track canine deer recovery. Yes. Okay. See all these links are crazy. You guys need like, I know it needs the main place. Cause this is, I, I'm conf- like, but I'll put all these links in the show. Really the main place to go would be unitedbloodtrackers.org. And, and, and under that website, you can go to find a tracker. Um, and then it breaks it down by state. So once you click on say Colorado, there's going to be about five of us, six of us. Okay. That's what we'll do. We'll put that one at the top. Cause then you can find which state and you're saying pretty much every state. Is there any state where dogs are not allowed to help recover game that was shot out West? So the research I've done is under Colorado, Wyoming, uh, Montana, and Idaho, and all of them are good to go. Okay. Wow, this is interesting stuff. So how many, you have one dog yourself? I have one dog and I got another one coming. I'll be training this summer. How do you guys train these dogs, man? So basically, uh, there's a a book. uh, uh, It's actually, it's downstairs. There's a book by a guy named John Genesee. He just passed away. It was considered the Bible of tracking dog training. he breaks, he, he's the one that kind of got United Blood uh, Trackers organization started. Uh, he's the one that basically paved the way to make this legal everywhere. Uh, and it started in the state of New York. Um, so we, we all use that book uh, to start off a dog. Uh, typically, the way I started my dog off was, you know, I got my dog at nine weeks old. I started dragging a hot dog weenie around the yard wait 20 minutes, put the, put the leash on it, let her go find it. And at the end, at the end of the track, there's a hot dog weenie. She's excited. And then you just slowly step it up, make it a longer wait time, a longer track. And then from there you move on to liver, beef liver. So you're dragging a beef liver, you're dragging it further. You're making hard turns. You're going, you're going up the mountain, down the mountain, uh, and then from there, you know, you graduate on to using deer legs, elk hooves, a little bit of blood over the course of a 900 yard track. So you may use eight ounces of blood over 900 yards with three 90 degree turns. You're trying to, you're trying to make a track. Your, your ultimate goal is to try to make a track for your dog that they can't find, make it hard. So when the real time comes, they're ready. And we're doing this, me personally, twice a week, every week. Um, and the dogs get so excited whenever I grab my backpack, my dog knows and it freaks out. It is ready to go track. That's awesome. What do you think the most common characteristics of an elk being shot? Like you said they want to run to safety. That makes sense to me. What, like, is there a way to like, try to like give some best practices if you're, if you are trailing an animal that you did shoot, like, what are the best practices and maybe what are the biggest pitfalls or mistakes guys make um, when tracking animals? 
Uh, as far as elk, they're pretty unpredictable in which way they're going to run, uh, how far they're going to run. Uh, the thing with elk is they don't have the interdigital gland in their hoof like deer do. Uh, they're the only animal that don't have that. So the elk, the elk are the hardest animal to track, uh, period. Uh, so if that elk stops bleeding, that dog is going off of just the elk scent of the hoof. And that elk scent of the hoof is no different than his buddy, the raghorn that was running with him. So it makes it real tough. Uh, as far as where they run uphill, downhill, it's, they're just, they're so nomadic. It, it's hard to pinpoint like, hey, this is what you need to look for. Uh, when it comes to deer, moose, all that, they have the interdigital glands. So what happens with that is when they get hit, it, they put off a pheromone. Oh, they do. They do in that hoof. And that dog knows that that deer is injured and it knows that that is a specific deer and it knows to follow that track. So you could have zero blood. That dog can follow that track if it's hit hard and wounded, mortally wounded. Uh, that, the, the more hurt they are, the more pheromone is getting put out in that hoof. Uh, makes them really easy to track. Uh, typically, the way I train for bull elk is when a bull elk is hit and he's running, he's not only bleeding, but he's also urinating as he's running. So when I do my tracks for elk, uh, I'm using a hoof, I'm using four to eight ounces of blood, and I'm using, I'm using elk piss throughout the track. Dude, you have to really arm yourself with a lot of tools to be able to train a dog proper. Yes, especially for elk, for sure. Nice. Um, pulling up the website. Uh, basically, there's an awesome map here where it says find a tracker. And the states listed here that do not have an option are Washington and Oregon, no surprise, Nevada, Arizona, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. And then the rest of the states look like they have uh, and California, of course, and the rest of the states looks like there's just they, there's resources there, and they're so, going to have their own set of laws. Each state is going to be is going to be different. Okay, uh, like Idaho, which is kind of your not your home state but your home state, uh, their only law they have is the use of one blood trailing dog controlled by leash during lawful hunting hours and within seventy two hours of that animal getting shot. Okay. You don't even have to have a hound hunter's permit to track the, uh, to track the elk. Wow. That's awesome. All right. Well, I know that, um, this is going to happen to everybody at one point or another. Um, elk are really tough animals, man. They really want to live and you can make a good shot and they still can go a long ways. And, you know, I've seen them lay down and seal up and then you bump them. They're not quite expired yet. And it just makes it for really, I mean, the terrain they live in, the country, uh, this could be really helpful. This could be a game changer for you guys. So we'll definitely want to have this, like, you're going to want to have access to the internet from your smartphone if you get in this situation to where you can utilize the website or take it a step further and and get some context in your phone. Like if you're coming out to hunt and you know you're hunting a specific unit in a specific state, Go online to United Blood Trackers, 
uh, save those contacts for the, the, the trackers within there. And then, you know, use your, use your in-reach. Um, if you don't, if, if you're so far back in the back country that you don't want to spend three hours getting out, getting to cell phone service, send an in-reach message to, to all of them and see if any of them respond back. Um, now, obviously this is not a full-time gig for any of us. So, you know, we do have other stuff going on and sometimes we can't take the track, but, uh, I would, I would highly recommend saving all the numbers in your phone. So I clicked on Idaho and there's, uh, two folks listed. It's not a thing yet, but I mean, that's not very many resources. I'm trying to grow it. Uh, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Uh, we're having a meeting on the 15th to figure out if we want to turn that into a nonprofit, a LLC, uh, grow the Facebook group to a point to where it's not just in Colorado and Wyoming, right? In order to bring on more trackers within all the Rocky Mountain states, um, because there's just not that many. And we, we don't really know as far as like the two you said in Idaho, like how dedicated they are. Like uh, we would like to get them all on, on that page. So, you, you know, like we have a, we got a big event coming up in Wyoming in June where we got UBT judges coming out to certify dogs. We're doing seminars. We would like all these people to come to, you know, from Idaho, from Montana, uh, maybe people that's thought about it never, never really pulled the trigger on doing it before. Maybe they can come out and learn more about it and, and, and grow this thing to, to help everyone. September 1st, your phone, like the very beginning of the September this year, your phone rang. So the, somebody was able to find you. How many did you actually work on in September this year? Well, so <laughs> I'm a bow hunter. Yeah, exactly. I took the whole month of September off to bow hunt. Uh, I had my brother-in-law come up. He had a muzzleloader tag. So I was kind of, I was kind of out the whole month. So I was turning down so many calls. Uh, I only worked three elk calls this year and three deer calls. And I really wanted to work the moose call, but I had my brother-in-law with me and I just couldn't break away. I was, I was four hours away from home where my dog was at. Uh, this year, um, I'm putting in, into the draw. I'm going to hunt my, my home unit. So probably afternoons after work, I can just, my property bus up to the national forest. Uh, I'll be able to take on many, many calls this year versus being four hours away from home. Uh, but yeah, I would say every day on average, I was getting four to five calls a day through the whole month of September. Will you pick up the call if it's a well-known gut shot? Oh, absolutely. Those are, those are the best. Why? Because it's going to put off, first of all, gut shot, the animal's dead. It is, it, that is a lethal shot. Um, not that I would ever recommend you just aiming at the guts and shooting, but if you shot an elk and you know you hit it in the guts and you walked away, you, you marked that spot and walked away and you called me, we're, we're going to wait 18 to 24 hours before I meet you and we're going to find your elk. Um, that elk is going to put off so much scent from his guts that my dog is probably going to run wide open straight to your elk. No kidding. Yes. Is there any type of call where you're like, man, I don't know if that's going to be worth our while? Yes. So the, the high forward shoulder. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Those are typically the ones. And, and a lot of times it's, you know, the hunter is not always right about what, um, what he saw on the shot, um, which is kind of frustrating. Uh, you, you know, back East, uh, my buddy Lance at on track, he, uh, he does not turn down a call period. Uh, but these are whitetail, right? So, uh, what he would do is he would screen the call and, and, and give the hunter a a percentage of how how much he thinks it's going to be as far as recovery effort goes. Uh, but he'll still take the track out here. It's a lot of effort on the dog and on the handler. Right. In Two thousand foot elevation, dropping down into a drainage. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot of work. So we we're not going to take every call if. Hunter calls and says, yeah, I hit it really high and forward and I got a little bit of blood. Probably depending on, you know, how, what the distance is from where I can park my truck to where you shot it at and what that elevate elevation gain is, I may or may not take it. We obviously want to take tracks that we're going to find just because our dog, we don't want to let our dog down, right? We don't want to we want that reward to be there for whenever we put our dog in the track. That makes sense. Um, earlier you said you asked them what broadhead, why is that important? I guess. Uh, typically the, if you're using the expandables uh, on these big game, depending on what expandable it is, it's just, uh, it's not a high percentage. It really ain't, especially at any distance. And, you know, if they tell me, hey, I'm using a, well, I'll tell you this. So I had a guy this past year, took him 27 years to draw this this, this moose uh, out of state moose hunt. He was the only non-resident to draw this hunt. He comes out here, he's 72 years old, comes out here all by himself. What? <laughs> shoots the moose. He's never seen a moose in real life dead. <laughs> Uh, well, I, well, most people probably haven't. Uh, so I'm just laughing cause I've been on my dad's and mine and I just like, you basically killed a horse. Well, he didn't have a plan either. Okay. I asked him, I said, well, do you, how are you planning on getting it out? You, you, you have somebody to come pack it for you? He's like, no, no. I figured I'd ask some hunters uh, close by if they'll help. I was like, man, you came all the way out here without a plan. But anyway, he, he shot the moose with a swacker broadhead and as soon as he told me that I just kind of dropped my head I was like man I'm sorry he's like those are really good broadheads I'm like it may be for deer but I would never recommend shooting a swacker broadhead at, at a at a bull moose um and um he never found that moose unfortunately um so I mean just that's just one of the things that now I'm not always going to turn down a track if it's a if it's a uh, expendable broadhead right like if you're shooting if you're shooting a a rage at a mule deer cool you know that that's just something i'd like to know but uh if you're shooting a rage at a at a bull elk and it was a 60 yard shot and you're pulling 60 pounds on your bow uh, you don't have a lot of blood. You found your arrow. It looks like you got three inches of penetration. I'm probably not going to take the track. Okay. Hey man, I appreciate you keeping it real. Um, 
if people listen to this podcast, they already probably know I'm not really pro expandables at all. And, and it, it, it's rooted in my Idaho hunting career where I, you know, I, I hunted Idaho 20 years straight. They don't allow expandables. I remember early on my hunting career when I didn't know how to tune a bow, I was always frustrated with Idaho because I loved how expandables flew so well for me at the practice range. And I slap on a fixed broadhead and I'd, I'd be shooting four inches or 12 inches to the right. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't have the resources to tune a bow exactly, but, um, yeah, and you owe it to your, to the animals to, to shoot them with, I believe a fixed broadhead elk. I'm talking specifically elk, but you do you. You, you do you. At least a hybrid, you know, at the very least. Baku e-bikes. These guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains. I use them out west, specifically logging roads. They have more torque than any other e-bike competitor. They're built for hunters by hunters. They're an awesome brand to work with out of Salt Lake City. Check them out at Baku.com. BlackOvis.com is where I buy all my hunting gear. I have a discount code that I use myself. It is elk shape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovis.com. Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. Spy Point Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest best value camera, dependable, reliable. Go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories. Kafaru International, my good homeboy, Aaron Snyder and Frank the Tank. These guys are American made, 100%. I typically use the Hoodlum, the 22 Mag or the Striker XL in the backcountry. The frame is second to none. Head over to Kufaru International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all-new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA. Head over to crispyus.com, peruse the vast selection of awesome boots from mountaineering, backpacking, and of course, my favorite, the Colorado GTX for elk hunting. There are also some good options for everyday wear, like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX. And then if you're into stocking like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX. Check out the core boot lineup. Everything starts from the ground up on your next adventure. Choose wisely. Be sure to check out crispyus.com. And I, I finally used a hybrid this year. Um, we'll, we'll be, we're going to publish two videos uh, on YouTube. Uh, I was in Texas um, on doe patrol, and I um, I shot a couple does and a, a really nice buck with hybrids. I wanted to just test them out, and uh, they did good. But I'm not going to use them on elk, right? <laughs> to be honest with you, and I and I know that there, you know, I have good friends that use expandables on elk. One in particular is Matt Bateman, who works for Grim Reaper Broadheads, and him and I have been on my podcast having a friendly debate on why or why not. And he he's got a pretty compelling case why he still does what he does, but I think he always forgets that everybody is as good an archer as him. He's a phenomenal archer, but yeah, man, um, expandables just leave you a little bit less breathing room, I would say. And when you're working so hard for, 
for pot- potentially one shot opportunity. It's so it's so much work to get to that point where you're drawn back on an elk. You just want to eliminate anything that can fail. You really do. And you're never going to have your wits about you. You're never going to feel like you're in your backyard in flip-flops shooting an elk. It's it's literally stressful and you're under fatigue and duress and you have a backpack on and your heart rate's already elevated from getting to the shot position. And there's a lot of pressure. And, and it's just like, that's probably why most of the guys think the elk was broadside. You know, I know I've called in a lot of elk for myself solo and I've made shots and I've been like, yeah, that's broadside. And then when I find the elk dead, you look at the shot angle and you're like, no, that thing was actually slightly quartering too. I don't know how I didn't catch that. Well, you were in the moment, man. Yep. Yep. You're, you're thinking about shot process. You're thinking about, is it, you know, when to draw? Um, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, I saw it this past year. Uh, the guy thought that elk that we did find uh, was, was broadside. It was a hard quartering. Uh-huh. Exactly. And was he solo? Yeah. Well, he, he had his family with him, but he was hunting solo. Right. Did he call it in? He did call it in and he called it in like uh, the last day of season. And that particular unit he was hunting was my unit that I hunt. <laughs> And it got hit hard this year, too. So I was very surprised he called that bull in. Well, you know, calling an animal to you solo usually doesn't really, I mean, unless you're a ninja and you can figure out those hang-up spots, man, it's tough to get an actual broadside shot. So, yeah, I feel that. Um, Well, I wanted to get you on here today just to kind of expose this as an option. It sounds like you guys have room to grow and you need to get your ducks in a row as far as getting unified and and kind of having like specific protocols and vetting. But um, I think people listening may just put this in the back of their mind, you know, like I'm going to make a mental note about this in case I ever and when your chips are down and you made a shot and you can't find that elk and you think it's dead. Now you at least have another backup option. And that's pretty exciting, to be honest with you. We all want to recover our animals. Yeah, f- yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, bef- if you didn't know, all you would do was start grid searching. And that can be really depressing, <laughs> especially in the mountains. Well, I'll take you through my New Mexico scenario. Um, it's on YouTube. Um, well, I've seen it, yeah. The next video uh, is coming out on Monday, but at the time of this recording, it would already be published. And I and I debated whether or not showing what happened because like you run that fine line of like, do you want to show you lost an elk? Ego was like not involved in the equation. Like I don't care. Like I'm not a perfect elk hunter. I'm not the best elk hunter at all. But uh, I've had a lot of good success and. Uh, Tim, my producer was like, you know, let's do it. And I I said, yeah, man, let's do it. I know there's going to be some shitty comments and people are going to say this, that, the other, but what ended up happening was it was a nine day hunt. And on the ninth day in the last two hours, I got a bull to actually respond. And I was super aggressive. Like once I got him located, I just put my head down and cut the distance. And by the time we got to him, we had about 30, 45 minutes of daylight. And I slipped right into probably their bedroom, but they were up feeding, you know, they were on their feet and I slipped right into them. And I kind of like immediately was like caught off guard because there was two or three cows that were way below them kind of looking at 
me and my cameraman and I was like, crap, but this bull was ripping bugles and he had a couple cows with him a little higher up on the mountain. So because the cows kind of picked off some movement, I couldn't sneak in and shoot him, which was my preference. So I grabbed the tube and challenge bugled him. He answered back and then he just immediately pushed his cows right down to us. And, uh, I ranged him. I ranged the cow in front of him at 55 and then he popped out and I cow called stopped, shot him for 55. He was not 55. He was 60 and I missed under him. And then he just followed his cows to the next little shelf. We totally got right back on him. Like it wasn't like he knew he got shot at. He was pretty fired up. So he kept bugling and pushing his cows and, and we got over there. And I hit with one cow call and he turned around and came out onto like a cliff edge. And I think the shot was like 68 yards or something. And I always tell people I try to shoot animals like specifically elk. 20 would be top pins, my preference. For sure. If I'm going to shoot past 60, past 80, past 100, it would be a follow-up shot. Well, this bull steps out broadside at 68. I clicked him. 68 is definitely in my effective range. Broadside, pulled back cameraman struggling to get him in frame finally gets on him. And as soon as the cameraman is on him, I'm not even listening to see if he's on him, by the way, I'm going to shoot this bull. It's the last day. As soon as I got that pen buried right behind the shoulder, the shot breaks. And as the shot breaks, he takes a step to like kind of forward, but almost like in a, in a direction to turn his body to go up the mountain. So instead of a broadside shot, he just turns and makes it. So it's like a severe quartering away shot. And the arrow goes in, in front of the hip, and it buries all the way to the fletches. And then he takes two or three big steps like, oh, I got shot. And the arrow breaks and comes out the same side that it entered. And then he kind of disappeared into the trees. We went right up to the shot. We gave him no time at all. And when we got to the shot, there was blood everywhere. And then I heard him bugle. I don't know about you, man. If you're an elk hunter, you know, like if you shoot a bull, they shouldn't really bugle again, like right. especially, but I will tell you when we got to the, the, the crime scene, like there was like somebody poured out a paint can full of pink foam blood everywhere. And I was like, do you think you hit him middle up and down, uh, kind of like the perfect quarter in a way where, where the broadhead would have lodged in the offside shoulder? Correct, because the broadhead broke off into bone somewhere, and then the entire arrow came out. So eventually, as him moving around, uh, running up and down the mountain, those you most likely got guts, a little bit of liver, uh, all all the good stuff, really. Maybe one long game because of the pink foam, and it was unbelievable amounts of blood. And the blood wasn't coming out of the entry wound; it was coming out of his mouth. But you probably lost your blood about two hundred yards, correct? It was crazy, man. This was like, I've never seen this before. He bled so consistent. Like you could walk at your fastest pace. And that's like, that's what we did because he was pushing his cows on contour and wrapping around the other side of the ridge, but he stayed on contour. So, and he would bugle. Uh, and so he was pushing his cows and we were walking as fast as we could with about 15, 20 minutes of daylight and I'm running tracking and we're just like blood, 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 blood. Like we're not like looking, stopping. We're just walking as fast as we can. And about every 50 yards, it'd be like a spray of blood out of his mouth just with bubbles. And, and I've killed enough elk to know I'm like, this guy's dead. Yeah. Um, and 
we just stayed on the blood trail. And then eventually he hit like some really dark timber where there's no green foliage and his, you couldn't read his track. And it was like, okay, if he is bleeding, which we think he is, we, it's just really tough to see in the dark timber. And now it's getting dark. So we stopped and we actually backed out. We didn't grid. Um, and then we, um, came back the next day and I th- would have been nice to have the entire day to look for him. Mm-hmm. But my cameraman's had to, f- he had to fly home and, uh, we ended up finding a little bit more blood that, that next day, but he actually went as the, I would say my onyx said he went one mile and that was nonstop blood. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And so the next day we looked and we found just a little bit more blood, but that was it. And, uh, we actually looked so long the next day that we missed the flight <laughs> and had to stay an extra day. And we just never found that bowl. Now I have a couple friends down there that are going to go try to find that bowl to see like just for closure. Um, I gave them all my stuff, but like at that point, I'm pretty sure a dog would have been handy the next day. Black Rifle Coffee Company established in 2014 veteran owned proudly American. They support two way. They support hunting and coffee is life. If you're just like me, head over to blackriflecoffee.com, Click the coffee club, enter the discount code elk shape, save 15% and have fresh new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off season when you're training and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets, energy and focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a bunch more head over to wildernessathlete.com and if you've never bought anything from them before make sure you enter the discount code elkshape30 to save 30 percent off your first purchase vortex optics proud partner since 2010 everything from rifle scopes binoculars range finders vortex wear and backed with their vip warranty unlimited unconditional you break it they'll fix it veteran owned proudly american head over to vortexoptics.com check out their vortex wear fit for everywhere use the discount code elkshape take 20 percent off your scouting everyday wear clothing and thank you vortex for supporting elkshape for over 10 years on x hunt the number one hunting gps app you should join the millions of hunters who trust on x including my to find more honey holes, discover new access, and to be confident and know where you stand. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to save 20% off an elite membership. Get all 50 states, be able to scout from a desktop and your phone. Everything syncs. You can go to 3D mode. Onyx Hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success. Check it out at onxmaps.com. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. Buck Knives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether you're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Buck Knives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty and they proudly support Elk Shape. We ask that you check out BuckKnives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. Numa Outdoors, use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your clothing. Numa has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade, Quarter Zip, Pullover, the Palisade Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers. 
Base Haven quarter zip pullover, as well as Base Haven pants. Most, yeah, most definitely, for sure. Uh, just, just the shot angle, you had to have gotten some of the intestines. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, the one long, if it was just a one long, then yeah, he's probably going to be fine. But if it's that type of angle like that with a three blade, three blade broadhead going through the intestines, I mean, he's, he probably died within the next day somewhere. Yeah. Especially if we nick that liver at all. Yeah. Being jacked up during the, you know, during the heat of the rut, um, getting hit. I mean, yeah, they, they can, can run a long way especially you know you charged right up after him right you didn't you know. right we didn't give him any time and, and I usually that's I would say on this podcast don't do that but like with my level of experience how many blood shows I was like we just hearing him bugle again I was like we need to get another arrow in him yeah yeah and we were racing the clock to do that and I just could not keep up with that bastard he was pushing those cows and he only had four cows total but um yeah man it was uh it was crazy to see that kind of blood. And, and that's when a blood dog would be really handy because we're pretty much out of, you're out of fresh blood at that point. At some point it's sealed up. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, to that case, our dogs can see blood, smell blood that you're not, that we can't see. Yeah. There's micro particles coming off, coming out of that wound that that dog is on the whole time. And we're looking and we're like, I don't, I don't see anything. You just have to trust your dog. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool to see that, that there's that many States. I did not know that. And looking into it, like, I think it's just got, you guys have room to grow. If you're doing, getting like a certification process where people can join in on this, I, I, I just see a lot of positivity out of this. Um, is there a stigma with finding your animal with the dog for some reason that I don't know about? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I actually printed out. I figured this might come up. Uh, the Pope and Young actually has a position on tracking wounded game. Okay. Um, so, like, even if you kill this giant that you wanted to enter into Pope and Young, as long as the dog must meet all, all local requirements concerning training and licensing, which is through the state, uh, you can only use one dog uh, on a leash in control of the handler the entire time. And then the recovery has to be completed within 48 hours of the initial shot. Uh, and again, if the animal is found alive during the track, the the, the tracker uh, or the handler and the dog have to be abandoned immediately. If all that's taken place, that, that animal can be entered in Pope and Young. Dude, this has been a cool podcast. Like I knew I wanted to talk to someone about this and Heath, you're awesome. I can tell you've been on a lot of recovery. You're vetted. You're logical. Uh, yeah, I totally, I think you could be a great resource for folks. So folks in the Colorado area, Heath is on the website. He's out of Bailey, Colorado. Check him out and there's others. And um, put it in your back pocket. You may need to play. It's maybe your ace in the hole. And it could be the difference in you, you know, recovering your animal or not, which is uh, pretty cool. Anything else you need to add? No, I think that's it, Dan. Awesome, man. Well, when we're done with this podcast, would you shoot me an email with all the links so I can have a robust, uh, you know, resource page and, uh, that way people can keep that. And guys, hopefully you don't have to use a dog, make a good shot, but you know, a lot happens when you party with elk. So 
put that in your back pocket. Appreciate your support. Separations in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, guys, make sure to check out the show notes. Got a link to the website so you can go look up your state, see what's available if you ever need a dog and make sure it's legal and obviously take the best shot you can. Practice as much as possible. Be confident in your equipment and your ability. Separation will be in your preparation. So blackovis.com discount code Elkshape, 10% off. They got a lot of SKUs. COVID sucks. Supply chain. So buy your gear now ahead of time. Plus, give yourself an opportunity to test it out. Back to e-bikes. I'll be using an e-bike for spring bear and for whitetails in washington to sneak in and sneak out on fire roads and logging roads and things like that as well as to go in and check trail cameras discount code is elk shape takes 300 bucks off i have the mule it's a thousand watt wilderness athlete discount code elk shape 30 30 off your first purchase make sure you get green infusion hydrate recover possibly some protein get going member supplements just supplement a quality food intake so make sure you're training hard eating well and recovering the best to your ability onyx hunt discount code elk shape 20 percent off your elite membership tune in this thursday we are doing a live webinar with onyx and hunting full and we're going to be breaking down tag allocation it's free and we're going to be answering your questions head over to onyx and make sure that you join that free webinar jared lyle and myself are going to be sitting down with the hunting full team as well as on and talking about elk allocation tags for 2022. Numa Outdoors discount code ElkShape 20, 20% off. My favorite pant is the Pursuit. My favorite top is the Renegade quarter zip or long sleeve. Throw the Alpha Vertex jacket on top, made for bow hunters. The sleeves don't stick out. You can hunt with it. Perhaps check out their rain gear. It's the quietest on the market. Numa is an awesome partner of the Elk Shape brand. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Discount code is Elk Shape. Takes 15% off. And I want to thank Spy Point, Matthews, Buck Knives, Crispy USA, and Kufaru International. You guys have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts. Thanks for choosing ours. Have the best week ever. We'll catch you on the next one.